podcast already in progress and that's when i opened up that clamshell and inside of it was the rescuers down under nothing to me says family like cracking open one of them clamshells and uh smelling that vhs and sliding that bad boy with that just satisfying kachunk into that VCR. Yes, to throw it to throw it back to uh, last year's episode, I would call it Heroes in a Clamshell. That's how good those exciting those Disney movies were to get as a child at Christmas. I out of all the reoccurring Christmas gifts, I'd put Disney movies somewhere below Nintendo games and above. Above GI Joe's, above GI Joe's, yes, on the on the 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 reusability quality scale. Because as a child, before we had cable and a billion channels and fifty-seven channels and nothing on, something to that effect, um, you had to rewatch these movies over and over again. And the first movies in many of our lists were, uh, or the many things we had access to, were the Disney movies. So in the pod, like a whole tradition on this podcast that I pretended we were already in the middle of. We'll go through our top five Disney movies. Animated, folks. Animated. Um, I know Mark. Mark's our Disney head. He's the, the guy's... Uh, he's got Disney. If he wasn't doing a podcast... If, if we didn't start this podcast out as a Nine Inch Nails tribute show, it would have been a Disney tribute show. Had Mark had his brothers. Um, the... Uh, dump like a hole after the apple dumpling game. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I mean, uh, I, I think you're kind of alluding to the fact that uh, I'm a closeted Disney adult. I don't. And I wouldn't put it that way. It means you have something to hide. But 
Tell me it all about it. I, I'm actually curious. The Disney adults is a thing now. It's always been a thing, but since the internet exists, it has a term, and it's called Disney adults. You tell me about the Disney adults. What is okay, this so you got the Disney adults who, you know, go to the parks, who uh, blog about it through, uh, post things on YouTube, wear the merchandise, buy every uh, piece of uh, uh, memorabilia as possible. Um, you know, are first in line. Uh, they constantly uh, bemoan and complain about the state of things at uh, the Disney parks, complaining about this is not how Walt would have had it, wanted it. Um, they're 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 a difficult bunch, but I can hang with those people, meaning I can have a conversation with those people, but I don't necessarily subscribe or sanction their buffoonery. I think that uh, a lot of uh, hay has been written about the fact that uh, a band that we all enjoy, Smashing Pumpkins, they were going to be performing on this year's Christmas Disneyland, Disney World special. Uh, and Billy Corgan's doing the promo. He's all, uh, you know, he looks like a Disney tour guide. Big Disney fan, that, that Billy Corgan. And I don't really care. I mean, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think we're becoming of a certain age and he's always been kind of a weirdo. I mean, he's really into pro wrestling as well. Um, Wouldn't like he have a pro wrestling, pro wrestling podcast? I think he's a part owner of a pro wrestling league. I think this is wow. how far he takes it. Um, making more money off that than we are off this. So I'm not going to merch the man. Exactly. I mean... Uh, I, I, anyhow, but people are rolling over their grave, um, even though they're not dead yet thinking, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Billy Corgan, what happened to you? Blah, blah, blah. Just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. But when it comes to Disney adultism, uh, Juan, I, Juan does am, things to a man. <laughs> I am a big fan of Disney. Uh, I can also acknowledge their problematic history. I can all also acknowledge uh, they are a big corporation um, that uh, sometimes I don't agree with every decision that comes of that. But I can tell you uh, they uh, have provided me with so many uh, pleasurable and memorable experiences for not only for myself, for my family, uh, in the ways of their movies, television shows, their content, their cartoons, and of course the Disney parks. Um, I just love the Disney parks. I've only been to Disneyland and the Disney secondary park, California Adventure, and I always enjoy my time there. Um, I, I'm the nerd that watches the Imagineering story and tears up. Um, that's, that's me. And, um, when people who are of artistic and creative backgrounds, they put their heart and soul into something to make people happy, just like your favorite band or artist would do. That's what these so-called Imagineers are doing. Even though it's a big corporation, it's all for profit, it's all for money, they're really just trying to provide memories. And uh, I, I don't know. I think in terms of theme parks, they do it best. And that's why I'm kind of a Disney guy. Um, I don't think I'm on trial here, but I think that sometimes I do have to defend my position on Disney. 
Um, and sometimes when I do like bring family who don't quite get it, when I kind of show them the park through like my perspective, they they tend to kind of let go of some of that uh, hangups about Disney. It's fun to watch, and it's fun for me too. Three um, things, three things to what you just said. Uh, one. One time, Mark and I went to the Walt Disney Museum in San Francisco, California. The Walt Disney Family Museum. And it was fun to see Mark look at the history of the things he loved so much. He was walking around, like, with his, you know, with his hand on his chin, being like, mm-hmm, yes, this is, this is, oh, and look over here. I always thought that's how that would have played out. It was, uh, <laughs> That's absolutely true, man. <laughs> and then two, um... I, I, I think everything he just said, he could apply to, and I we are, we're all Disney fans here, that's why we have the top five, but Mark is the passionate Disney fan, but everything he just said about, you know, the purity of it, even though there's issues, but then when he gets to actually take time to expose people to it, usually those people come around and they get it, exactly what he said about you two. You see? It's the same, the same thing. Mark <laughs> loves the thing. And he will explain the thing to the people and he will get the people to see it. And usually they will come around to understand the thing and love the thing as well. Or at least admit the thing has a few good songs. So uh, two things, not three. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just like uh, there's, yeah. Only, there's only two people on this podcast, by the way. Apparently there's not a third one. Eric is uh, too busy trying to collect his thoughts on how he's going to really try to... Uh, Yell at me for Song of the South. <laughs> I think he's just been like, he's furiously redoing his top five uh, because, you know, he's only got four. But he couldn't think of a fifth one because there's no Disney movies in the Criterion collection. Can't, so I can't get a word, word in edgewise with you two, uh, but <laughs> thanks for inviting me. I didn't know if I get an invite this year. I know the last uh, couple decades have been really, you know, uh, hit and miss with. Uh, uh, did I ever get that promotion from intern? Did I not? Um, so, uh, you know, um, either way, happy to be here. Uh, this time of year is always hard on me. I, you know, my arthritis always acts up in the cold, but back in 2042, when they finally came out with the self-warming bioboard pelvic replacement, but doing pretty good. Um, so, uh, I'm pretty comfortable right now enjoying my hot cocoa. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Hey, Disney, Disney equals cozy. It's Christmas time. It's cozy. I can see why you picked it. Um, yeah, very excited. Very excited. And also, yes, in true pod like a whole fashion, the episodes are supposed to go quick. This is supposed to be a, a half hour long and we're 18 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the, the top five. Top five animated Disney films. Uh, no Pixar. Um, no 3D shenanigans. No CGI. Top five hand-drawn animated you may mention Pixar honorable mentions at the end. All right. Oh, wow. And so you guys aren't even doing like the modern straight Disney movies. If, well, I just, if I just they would not have been on my list anyways. They would not have been on my list anyways. They would, I don't think they're going to be in Mark's either. They can be honorable mentions. Mark, my rules, did they just screw your list up? Not at all. I mean, I just went with hand drawn, but there are CGI elements. Um, but like, you know, like Beauty and the Beast has CGI in it. But yeah, it's mostly hand drawn. Yeah, toss Beauty and the Beast out because of one chandelier. Um, 
So, I don't know how much of a purist you are. <laughs> well, let's get to it. And uh, pod like a whole top five rules. If somebody says one in the lower rankings and it's, it's somewhere else's, we'll just, the person says, hold on to it. We'll talk about it later. set the tone with your number five all right there's probably some cgi in this movie but it's got some latter day hand-drawn um hand-drawn uh, uh, uh moments uh you know i really like that atlantis movie lost empire solid disney flick it's in my top five i watched it recently was impressed really enjoyed myself yeah, that's a good one uh, plus i didn't think any of you jackasses would snatch it from me so no, I, I forgot. That's a Disney movie. I wasn't yeah, even. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, it? It's a, it's a pretty cool little, uh, like, almost like a future Victorian kind of reimagining of Atlantis. It's fun. I like it. It's a good one. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but there's no music in it, like meaning that there's not like any sort of musical numbers. Michael J. Fox is the main oh, you, voice. You it's like a, it's a Lars von Trier movie. It's all natural lighting with no music. Is that what you <laughs> yeah. mean? Dog, dogma. Dogma 96. Yeah. But wasn't uh, the artist from Hellboy, uh, wasn't that his like thing, Mike Minola? Or was that, I think he worked on that. Or if not, cool. he... Definitely was influenced by it, but I want to say that uh, the artwork on that, that would make a ton of that. sense. That would make a ton of sense with the whole like Victorian kind of gothic inspired some of the, some of that art. Yeah. Well, you should they know, gonna... Eric. It's your pick. I mean, Mark and I are going to know every storyboard artist of the ones that well, did our movie. Well, that is the difference um, between you and I. But 
uh, <laughs> it is quality. Eric or Mark was right. Mike Magnolia was one of the storyboards and uh, uh, designers of that movie. Yeah. So that, that the Victorian steampunkiness makes sense. Very much so. They were going to uh, re-scrap the entire submarine ride at both Disney World and Disneyland, um, and they were going to make that the ride. The movie bombed so hard that uh, they had to cancel it. And for the longest time, the submarines at Disney parks were shut down until they figured it out to put Finding Nemo in there. But it was going to be an Atlantis ride. I would have liked to see that ride. Fun fact, I got a couple Disney bombs, box office bombs on my list. That does not make them bad movies. Does not make <laughs> I them don't have one on fact. my list. It could be on my list. Actually, I do have one on my list. Fun, fun fact. Michael J. Uh, Fox? The story, was, the the story yeah. was also also co-written by disgraced uh, television showrunner Joss Whedon and uh, uh, philosopher Plato, who wrote the uh, original <laughs> Atlantis story. So... <laughs> IMDb co-credits Plato for this movie. So <laughs> I would love, I would love to see the Disney's allegory of the cave. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, no, exactly. Michael J. Uh, Fox, James also, Garner. Uh, uh, you've got, uh, you got uh, John P. Mahoney, Worrell. Ernest P. Worrell, John, Jim John Mahoney, Fraser's yep. John Mahoney. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, you got Ernest in there, Jim Varney, and Leonard. I'm telling Ingram. you, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Get in on it. It's a good one. That's my uh, yeah. That's a good one. It's my pick. All right, that is a good one. I might check it out. I might be inspired. Sounds like something our early guest guest host Towns, who now is fast asleep, would have liked. Oh, he's not asleep. Uh, number five for me, Robin Hood, 1973's Robin Hood. Is that in anybody else's list? Sure is. Okay, let's talk about that just a little bit later. All right. Um. So my number five. Um, when I did my top five, you got to have at least one princess movie mm-hmm. in your top five. I mean, uh, it just it's uh, stock and trade of what Disney plays on. Um, I could have gone classic, could have gone with Snow White or uh, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty was definitely probably an honorable mention. We'll get to that later. Um, but I went more modern, um, and I feel that I'm doing this to piss off uh, all the woke, uh, you know, the woke mind virus that's out there. But Princess and the Frog, yes, the last hand-drawn Disney movie. Uh, it is fantastic. It took me by surprise. It's funny. Um, it uh, really seems to capture the whole New Orleans spirit really well. The music is fantastic. Um, that song that uh, Keith David sings, Are You Ready? Uh, he is the voice of Dr. Facilier, the villain. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Keith David. It's awesome. That's a toe tapper. Um, in he, fact, uh, he when they... took it out for air. Didn't take it out for air. <laughs> <laughs> when they reopen Splash Mountain and make it the Tiana's Bayou Adventure ride... I'm really, really picturing in my mind as you're going up the slope right before you have to go down the big the big hill, the big drop. I, I really hope that that song is playing. Um, it's a perfect, are you ready? And all these like voodoo stuff is happening. Oh, awesome. Princess and the Frog is great. I'm hoping that's what happens, but I don't know for sure. But I, I really like that movie quite a bit. John Goodman's in there. Uh, it's not the last time that we're going to talk about John Goodman's voice uh, in my top five, at least. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's a modern one. Um, I think it's great. And it's one of my favorite princess movies. And uh, I, I think Splash Mountain, um, you know, it needed to be overhauled. It's not because of the song in the South. It's just we need to modernize that, that uh, whole ride. And I think bringing more attention to Princess Tiana is always something that I'm always going to subscribe to. I, I think the understanding of what a tar baby is going to be lost on generations to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's I used to have, I had, I have a vague memory of learning, not, I can't even really explain it. As a kid, the phrase tar baby, I learned of it. I had some like, um, kids record of Song of the South. Uh, so did I. I hey, had like a data room yeah. book. Yeah. God, all of us. Okay. Well, great. I'm surprised that we all turned out okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the Princess and the Frog. I watched it for the first time this year, actually. I think that was three TVs ago. You guys get that joke. Um, and uh, I was I wasn't pleasantly surprised. I always heard good things about it. Uh, and I liked that Keith David was in it. I did like the animation. Uh, I like New Orleans so much. The, the old lady and I talk about, we'd like to go on vacation there sometime. I, I've always been fascinated with New Orleans. Um, everything about it, Princess and the Frog. I, I, yeah, Mark, it's a good one. Good yeah. choice. Agree. Uh, same about Nolans. Uh, John Goodman, I, I, I don't think he can leave the, the uh, city, city limits of Nolans anymore. I think he's uh, honorary mayor uh, there. And uh, uh, I think that's great that he did his voice. Keith David, of course. If we ever did Disney shows... I could do a whole spin-off podcast on the Gargoyles uh, Gargoyles uh, cartoon. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So, anyways. You're number four, Eric. You're number four. What's your number four? My number four, uh, this is the other box office bomb I was talking about. Um, listen, Mark, earlier in the writer's room, you mentioned uh, the fantastic Chippendale short where they terrorize uh, Pluto in the Christmas tree. Um, it's great. Love that one as well. It's a, it, that's not on my list, but but the Terrorize example. Is the right word too. It's wonderful. But the <laughs> but the example like that. Why I love that one is like they've got their own little cozy house inside this Christmas tree, and I love when Disney does like this like lived in world inside a world that maybe we recognize more. And for for that kind of coziness and that reason, I really love Great Mouse Detective. I've always Ooh. loved that one. Okay. Yeah. I've always yeah. loved it. It's my number four. It's got the Sherlock Holmes kind of like vibe. It's kind of a parody of it, but in a great way it, without making fun of it. And then you got uh, Vincent Price as Radigan, the villain that's a cat that thinks he's a rat. I mean, just so he could be the biggest rat. It's it's fantastic. I, I love I love Great Mouse Detective. And uh, that was during their uh, bottom out going to uh, <laughs> fire sale years. But uh, it's, it's a good one. There's some good that. stuff in those years. Yeah. Um, I mean, go ahead, Steve. I didn't know Vincent Price was in that. I've never I watched it. I've never <laughs> watched it. I don't know why, because I love Sherlock Holmes. Well, Versions of Sherlock Holmes. I'm, I'm a big. I was raised on the Basil Rathbone, um, Sherlock Holmes shorts. No, they're not shorts. They're serials. They're good. Uh, black and white. That's my version of Sherlock Holmes. I like. I like the Holmes mythos. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Why I've never watched that one. I should make time for it. I don't know why I've never watched it. It is a good one. Um, it's kind of the first attempt of Disney trying to steer themselves out of the rut. Um, you know, Black Cauldron was a huge bomb. Uh, I, 
I look back, everyone loves the Black Cauldron because it's, you know, Disney dark, you know, and everything. And, you know, the uh, the Skeleton King, I can't remember the name of his The character. Horn King. The Horn King. Pretty scary. Pretty scary. Stay tuned for my honorable mentions. <laughs> um, but uh, the Great Mouse Detective, that was the first time that I think they threw a little bit of um, uh, CGI in there. I think that was the first mm. Disney movie that had that. Uh, Henry Mancini did the music, which is pretty neat. Uh, but Ron Clements and John Musker, uh, that became their like go-to people when it came to uh, directing. They did uh, uh, Little Mermaid. That was the one that they really hung their hat on. Um, they did Aladdin. Um, so this was kind of their beginning collaboration. Um, yeah, Great Mouse Detective, underappreciated. Really is. All right, I'll check it out. My number four is 1963's Sword in the Stone. Is that in anybody else's list? Nope, go for it. All right, The Sword in the Stone. I watched the heck uh, out of that one. Yes, yes it is, because I don't think you'll accept Jeez. my number three. So it is my Mine got snatched again. All right, we're going to keep moving then. Back to Mark. <laughs> All right, Steve. <laughs> At least I know uh, I get to so talk about it next, next round. <laughs> My uh, number four is Steven's number five, which is Robin Hood. So, Steven, uh, go ahead and tell us a little about why you picked Robin Hood. Yeah, Robin Hood. That would be 19, uh, on my 1970, 19, 1973. 1973's Robin Hood. I was actually surprised when I looked that up that it was made in the early to mid 70s. I thought it was the 60s. And part of the reason I thought it was the 60s is that it, in my number four, have a uh, sword in the stone, have a style of anima uh, animation I really like from Disney. That late 60s, early 70s sketchiness. You're going to see it also in um, Jungle Book um, and others. But yeah, they, they, there's this there's this sketchiness to it, this looseness to the art, which is not half-assing it at all. Just it's a style of art that... I really like. Um, it just really looks like handmade, and I appreciate that. But I like that about Robin Hood. Uh, there's an element of nostalgia for Robin Hood. We owned, I think, a dubbed copy of it. Used to watch it all the time. But the songs are great. The songs are just, they're, they're good lazy day songs. Maybe that's because, like, the very first song is, like, you know, Robin Hood, Little John, walking through the forest. Oh, da laddie, oh, da laddie, oh, da laddie, Oda Lolly thing. It's stuck in my head my entire life. Sometimes I'll just be sitting there and I'll think or say to myself, like, Oda Lolly, and I'll laugh. Um, uh, I love the friendship between uh, Robin Hood and Little John. Little John's actually a John Goodman esque character. I could have imagined John Goodman doing the voice acting for him back in the day. Um, the snake character is funny. The uh, Prince John is funny. The. Uh, the sheriff, uh, voiced acted by Maxwell Emmett Pat Buttram, who's also yeah. in the uh, the Aristocats and the Rescuers, and the Fox and the Hound, and he's Bullet Number One in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, that sheriff's voice is amazing. Um, I like the chase scene quite a bit. The chase scene for an animated Disney movie at the time was like Fury Road. It just keeps going and building and escalating. Uh. uh you guys know the one I'm talking about. It's got the, pr the procession with the 
the rhino guards and the the kings in one thing, and they're all just running back and forth. Um, oh, yeah. And then, not in Nottingham. That song sung by the rooster is heartwarming. <laughs> not in Nottingham. So Robin Hood, good animation that has a style I like. Good voice acting, fun songs, heartwarming songs, and just a overall pretty good vibe. It's probably my favorite Robin Hood movie. Robin Hood. Robin Hood is good. Uh, the sketching style that you're referring to after the uh, very expensive animation style of Sleeping Beauty, where everything looked like a tap, like a cathedral painting, they needed to go cheap because Sleeping Beauty actually bombed as well. Um, so when 101 Dalmatians came out right after that, they really went to a, a fast and dirty kind of look. And they even kind of used like a Xerox method, um, where uh, even you could see the YouTubes where they actually superimpose some of the animation from like Snow White, for example, mm -hmm. and they just overlaid, um, like the, them dancing scene, um, in yeah. Robin Hood. So they needed to cut some corners, but I feel that they didn't necessarily take away from it, that Disney charm. Um, Phil Harris, the voice of uh, Little John, uh, also the voice of Baloo from the Jungle Book, uh, just kind of carrying that over. Uh, he even, it's like the same character, like same design and everything. Same character. And, and that's, you know, you know what's awesome about that is also in uh, Tailspin. That's Baloo. I like that idea yep. of the character. Almost, almost like sometimes these Disney characters are playing characters in the different movies like there's an actor for that bear and that bear is playing different parts in all those movies that's fun yeah that's right because yeah tailspin was just basically the jungle book and yeah <laughs> um but that movie like uh made marion even though it's a, a a literal fox she's also metaphorically a literal uh, you know a fox um, and I feel that a lot of women would say the same thing about dear old Robin Hood, too. Um, movie's fun. Music's great. Uh, it just breezes right on by. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's got some great moments. I just It seared in my brain um, from when I was a kid. I always enjoyed that one. Uh, nothing to add to what you... I was just going to say it's underrepresented at uh, Disney parks. That's that's all I'm going to say. But go ahead, Eric. It's true. And I, I would say the uh, only thing I'll add that you guys didn't say was, uh, well, Steve kind of touched on it, but I, I do judge my Disney movies quite a bit by their villains. And while I don't find Prince John to be a, Mommy. a terrifying villain, I find it to be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, unforgettably hilarious. He and that fucking snake, every, scene stealers every time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Peter Ustinov's voice as Prince John. I mean, oh, is that who that is? That's fucking uh, Hercule Poirot, like the old, yeah, old BBC guy. That's great. Yeah. Uh, just that schmarmy British voice. And, like, yeah, you can't go wrong with the Sheriff of Nottingham's voice. Pat Buttram. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Robin. <laughs> yeah. So good. Friar Tuck. The whole thing just hangs together, man. Oh, yeah. Friar Tuck's good, too. Yeah. All of it. All of it's good. So that, let's see. That was uh, Mark's number four. My number five. Yep. So back to Eric yep. for his number three. All right. No. My number yep. three, I didn't think you'd accept it. And then once I heard the rules again when we started this, I knew you wouldn't accept Roger Rabbit. So I went to 
Uh, Sword in the Stone uh, is my is my runner-up. Uh, this is my number four. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. So, I would have accepted uh, Roger Rabbit, but go ahead with Sword in the Stone. Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, it was a touchstone movie, but it's fine. Oh yeah, oh, that's a problem. But they do have a whole like section in Disneyland for them. But I guess that. that All right, you know what? It's Christmas. Whatever. It's Christmas. Talk about Roger Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I gonna am oh. I gonna have a problem with talking about one of my favorite movies of all time? All of our favorite movies of all time. No, Roger Rabbit. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, but I, I mean, listen, it, it started a love affair with many of us in Bob Hoskins in that in that film, just being a, a cranky, uh, you know, 20s, 30s, nor detective, uh, shirtless, drunk, uh, but uh, somehow gets wrapped into a, somehow gets uh, wrapped into a murder mystery with a annoying rabbit and his, his sexy uh, wife. Uh, it's a ridiculous film, uh, but it celebrates animation. It, uh, it it has a compelling mystery to it, um, and you'll get sidetracked into the, uh, the the crazy cameos from animated characters here and there. And, uh, and Christopher Lloyd will show up to be an absolutely terrifying, uh, terrifying villain, half-animated villain. Um, and we reference that movie every time, especially every time Mark gets on a... A laughing uh, rampage and <laughs> almost dies over Zoom. Uh, we have, he has got he's got a health alert a health alert necklace set up. Uh, and so in case Jen in case Jen doesn't hear him wheezing, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's so yeah. many fun things about that movie. Very memorable movie. Uh, instant classic in my mind. My mom didn't take me to a lot of movies, just her and I. But she took me to that one. I don't remember why. Like I don't remember what it drove her to. But I'm glad she did. And uh, I instantly loved it as a kid. That was one where as soon as it was available on home video, I got my hands on it. Um, as a child, I liked it for the obvious reasons. It was funny. I thought that the mix of the cartoons and the humans were cool. Uh, same reasons that I've shown it to my son and enjoyed sitting through it. But then as you grow up, some of the stuff that you pick up on more uh, is obviously there's some animation deep cuts that are in there that are fun, like in the background. Uh, there's jokes that'll go over your head as a kid that will land as an adult that are great. Um, the music is amazing. The reoccurring Eddie Valiant theme song, the noir, you know, trumpet song is wonderful. People know what I'm talking about. And Judge Doom. Yeah, that mystery is great. When it turned out, Judge Doom turned out to be a tune. That was an amazing reveal. You know, some movies try to have twists these days you're never going to top that that was that was wonderful um and i feel like it played fair and it was still a surprise uh 
the laughing weasels is something we always reference because that we definitely get that reference. And also one of the most horrifying movie scenes of all time was that poor shoe that gets tossed in the dip. Um, uh, I mean, the only thing more horrifying or maybe as alluring as Jessica Rabbit is when Bob Hoskins doesn't have a t-shirt on and you think he's wearing a sweater. <laughs> a, a hairy man. He has a tie on. Only a tie. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love, I love my And suspenders. I think he's also yeah, still wearing yeah. the suspenders yeah. on that too. No, and I and I think subconsciously uh, planted uh, uh, something in my brain about what I find appealing in the uh, the other women out there. The opposite uh, sex, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So Roger Rabbit. I mean, a couple things. Roger Rabbit's great. Um, I remember just it was a feast for the eyes uh, upon watching that. And I remember how long it took to get to VHS. Um, I was thinking about making a joke that, you know, harken back to our David Bowie season that I was more of a cool world guy. Um, but <laughs> nobody is a cool world guy. <laughs> um, but uh, there's so many great moments in, and. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit first Christopher Lloyd just absolutely disappears into judge doom. It's hard to say that like, that's the same person who played doc Brown mm-hmm. um, just completely just takes that character, makes him fucking scary as shit. Um, Bob Hoskins was, that was my introduction to him uh, as a kid, as you would imagine, I'm not watching a lot of like uh, London heist movies or criminal mafia game. Uh, you, had, you, hadn't, you, hadn't, you hadn't seen the wall yet. Is a, hadn't seen the wall. That's right. Hollywood um, debut. Fuck me. <laughs> um, uh, Charles Fleischer as uh, you know uh, him showing up every day on set dressed as uh, Roger Rabbit to do the voice off screen. Um, so that way it would help the other actors. That's a story. That's fun. Um, it's great. I mean, the whole thing is great. The ride is okay. Um, I'm glad that I can tie in a little bit bit of Disney parks on each of these little things. Um, but uh, yeah, isn't the ride it's go- terrifying. Isn't the ride oh, and the last away? thing. What's that? Isn't the ride going away? It is not going away. It is still there. Oh. Um, they did put some clothes on Jessica Rabbit to make her more of a protagonist rather than a damsel in distress. So that created some hoopla out there. Um, that ride's staying. Uh, it's got the best line in the entire uh, in, in the entire park. But one thing in particular, so Judge Doom became a face actor or a face character at one of these Oogie Boogie Bashes. It's a Disney After Dark event. You have to buy a special ticket. And that shoe thing, they actually did that in front of people. Uh, they had like a vat of dip and they had like this, not a real cartoon, but something that, you know, looks like a cartoon that he puts into this vat of thing and then it just like disappears in his hands you know for kids sick so sick yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah roger rabbit who framed him not with the question mark because that's bad luck in hollywood but uh who framed roger rabbit based on a book um so i've always thought about reading the book i think you should i i always love i'm always fascinated with old old la old hollywood like 
mysteries. Like that's always fun for me anyway. So then throw a bunch of tunes and like a Looney Tunes crossover in there, you know, you're, you're off to the races. So. Talk about an Israel Palestine uh, agreement <laughs> for that to happen. Um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always topical, yeah. pot like a whole. Um, <laughs> that, the Donald Duck, Daffy Duck piano scene is, is one for the time capsule. It's great. Absolutely. And there was a, a contract from Warner Brothers that they had to be on screen the same amount of time. That was some of the like the minutia of the agreements that like no character if there was on Warner Brothers. That's why you always see both of them. Like I think Mickey Mouse and uh, Porky Pig are falling at the same time. They had to be on screen at the same time. So they had to have the same amount of screen time. In that, order was for that, to happen. And, that was Bugs. That was Mickey and Bugs, I think. There you go. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got a spare. Give it to me. Are you sure you want it? Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. That's it for that. But Steve, we did, we, because of you, you being so generous and I, once again, I really appreciate it. um, We skipped over Sword and Stone. So we should, uh, that was going to be my runner up. Of course. It's great. Magic. King Arthur. Great time. Released on Christmas day too. Now, hold on. Now I'm all tripped up. So <laughs> no, Sword and Stone is my number four. Is yeah, that's, number we three? skipped it because I thought you would not allow Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I get it. So, yeah, yeah. oh, so now we crammed an extra movie in here because I let you break the rules. That's fine. We did. So we did. Yeah, Sword and the Stone released on Christmas Day. huh? And what, 1960 when? 1963. Three. Ikitus, ikitus, somba, kazik. I want your attention to everything. We're packing to leave. Come on, let's go. No, no, not you. Fox are always first, you know. Pockety, pockety, wockety, whack. Abber, abber, dabber, neck. Shrink in size, very small. We got to save enough room for all. Higgitus, 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 boom. Says Malika Mesmeretides. Now stop, 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 stop. See here, sugar boy, you're getting rough. That poor old tea set is cracked enough. Oh, oh all right, let's start again. Uh, let's start again. Uh, oh, where was I, boy? Uh, how, how can he? Now that's ama- that's interesting to me because I find that Sword in the Stone's animation is very similar to Robin. Maybe if I watched them yeah. side by side, or maybe you know, it, it would look different. But um, ten years apart. Okay, they look pretty damn similar to me. Uh, but Sword in the Stone, also, I like that sketchiness to it. Um, it's another one where I think we had the actual, for whatever reason, like we got our hands on that one. I watched that one a billion times as a kid. Um, what I like about Sword in the Stone, besides the animation, is into the voice acting, which we'll get to in a second. Is uh, a I just like the story of uh, King Arthur and Merlin. I, that's a that's a that's a that's a fable that I like to go back to again and again. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I like how Sword in the Stone breaks up its sections into kind of like vignettes. Like there there's vignettes. there's a there's a through line, but it gets broken up into uh, uh, the boy being taught lessons. And each lesson becomes its only its own little section of the movie, and it involves magic. You've got the one section where 
he gets turned into a fish and he's learning about like, the animal kingdom. Um, you get the one section where uh, there's a, uh, a magic fight and it's uh, between the wizard and a witch. Um, you get another section where I'm blanking on the other sections, but that's the way it's broken up into is a, it, it's, it's like five or six main sections of the boy learning different lessons. Um, the, the magic battle is one of the best Disney battles. I, I, I think there's, you know, the, the Disney movies are, there's no shortage of, uh, fights and climaxes where a villain gets their comeuppance. But I think that actual next to Sleeping Beauty's, you know, battle between the prince and uh, Maleficent, that that battle between Merlin and the evil wizard lady is awesome. And that's another one where there's a lot of escalation and they're just coming up with different and unique ways to battle each other off. Um, one Something that Sword in the Stone has that I'll bring up again tonight Eric brought up the word cozy earlier when he was talking about he likes worlds within worlds. I just like cozy small places. I like cabins. And Disney loves itself a good forest cabin. Uh, you're going to find them in Sleeping Beauty. You're going to find it in Sword in the Stone. And you're going to find it in Snow White. And you're going to find it in more movies. Uh, you're going to find it in Black Cauldron. Uh, a, a cozy cabin in the woods is a Disney thing. And I think that Merlin's cabin in Sword in the Stone is the best. Speaking of Merlin, Merlin and uh, the Owl have many lines that make me laugh. Um, Archimedes. Archimedes. <laughs> That's Carl Swenson and Junius Matthews are the voice actors there. But even Merlin, like, you know, he's just got lines where he just says, like, Merlin just talking amuses me and makes me feel some kind of feels. He's just always saying stuff, but like, you know. See here, sugar boy, you're getting too rough. That teapot is cracked enough. And uh, <laughs> develop your brain. That's the higher power. Um, and, uh, I've got news for that old walrus. I'm sticking it out, and I plan to cheat. Um, that I I like Merlin in general. Uh, a dark age indeed, an age of inconvenience. And and also blasted all that piece of crockery. It just He's saying weird stuff like this all the time. Um... The owl's best line is, and I was watching the movie again this week, and it stuck out to me, made me laugh, is, um, God, I can't remember what happens. Like, Merlin's coming back from the future, because he can time travel. And the owl says, futuristic fiddle-faddle. And I just love that. Futuristic fiddle-faddle. <laughs> it's a fun, fun use of words there. Fun repetition. Uh, Merlin's uh, urging of using brain over brawn, I think, is a cool message that they go back to and um yeah the wise man just stuck in the past like a wise time traveler i like the merlin's a time traveler uh you know doc brown uh, doc mccoy bitching about the stone ages and star trek 4 i like it when future smart guys go back to the past um i am a fan of sword in the stone and also when he pulls the stone out at the end and, and the old man, his stepdad or whatever, is like, okay, calm down. This is our king. I, I love that part. But they all give him respect at the very end. I love me some Sword in the Stone. Yeah, Sword in the Stone is a good one. I mean, um, another underappreciated one, if you ask me. Um, 
I do think that the best moments in the movie are when they uh, get into the magic a little bit, uh, where he gets turned into a squirrel, and then that female squirrel is all uh, hot to trot. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, then the fish tries to eat him. That fish, uh, <laughs> how it's animated looks absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah. Just coming at him. Um, the uh, magic fight between him and Mad Madam Mim. Uh, Madam let's Mim. See. That is a highlight. That is, uh, I remember seeing that segment like on a, like a compilation Disney thing, mm -hmm. whether that was like a TV special or something. That's great. And that the woman's voice that does Mad Madam Mim, um, she shows up in like other things too. I can't remember, but like she's got that distinctive witch's voice. Now, probably in the Black Cauldron, um, among other things. But probably. But the movie's great. Um, and when you see Merlin walking around the parks, he's always a joy. Um, and uh, Sword in the Stone, it's uh, right there in front of the carousel. Just try to try to get it. They don't do that anymore where they actually release the sword. I guess it's all broken, but uh, it, it's there. What's the world coming to? I know. Someone broke it. Little too much fun and little little too much uh, goof juice at Club Thirty Three, and they went out there and they smashed it. <laughs> Trent, yeah. Trent Reznor did it. Could have been. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to say about Sword in the Stone? Or should we move on? Uh, I, yeah, no, I did. You all said what I why it was my runner up for three, so we can move on. So that was my all number right. three. Was that my number three? That was my number four. <laughs> where are where are we? No, that was number three. So now we're on the. My number three. You're, no, that was my Yeah, you're number three. You're number three, Steve. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. The radio call-in show. Eric derailed us. I'm sorry. I broke it. I broke the game. I, I mean, you shouldn't have let me have, Ro have Roger Rabbit, but I'm glad you did. But Steve, yeah. it's your number three. Go for it. My number three, and not my next three could all be my number one. But I decided my number three for this is Pinocchio. Anybody else got Talk Pinocchio? Talk about that later. All right. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> Mark, what's your number, <laughs> number three? My my number three is uh, one of our dear friends. <laughs> I think probably favorite Disney movie. He's the one that was just like really convincing me when we all worked together back at the record store. Um, it is The Emperor's New Groove. Um, it is a solid movie. It has been memefied, I think, uh, correctly. It is funny. It's funny. It's legitimately funny. Mm -hmm. uh, John Goodman um, plays the great straight man. Uh, David Spade doing basically his his shtick. His best work. Uh, I just in my opinion. <laughs> That's a... Oh, absolutely. I mean, that and Tommy Boy. I would probably say these are my two favorite David Spade movies. That's a low bar. Um, but, yeah. It was all uh, my honorable honorable mentions. It's great. I, I just really find it fascinating because it was supposed to be a big Lion King Aztec type movie with Sting. And I think there was a documentary where um, they just it was not working at all. So they just like, all right, throw everything away. Uh, there is one song uh, left over from what Sting did. And that's like during the end credits. Hmm. Uh, but they just pivoted so hard into a buddy comedy because um, it was supposed to be called The Emperor of the Sun versus the emperor's new groove but um patrick warburton as kronk is one of my favorite side characters just fucking hilarious that whole scene where they're like 
Uh, he's in the back kitchen, uh, whipping up some food uh, at this like diner up in this hillside, and um, it's just like back and forth between him and David Spade, and like all these little uh, kitchen terms being thrown around. Uh, he's just so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, Emperor's New Groove, it's great. And uh, I, I think it's a great comedy, not just a great Disney movie. I agree with you. I love that, that it's probably the most purely just we're going to make a comedy, animated comedy. And then like, you know, very little bells and whistles. That's, that's what it is. And I think it's, I think it's hilarious as well. Yeah, no, I'm a fan of it. Um, I've watched it a couple of times. Yeah, we were when 20 years ago, our, our buddy made us all watch it. Um, I really like the opening song. I think it is sung by Tom, Tom Jones. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good one. I like that animation style. I, if I remember correctly, kind of similar to Hercules, right? Kind of. Yes. It's, Absolutely. Uh, flatter. And Hercules Hercules is a good one too. Um yeah. I, I think they were really trying to like, well, let's just do that because um everything around that, Mulan, Tarzan, Fantasia two thousand, Dinosaur, which is probably one of their worst. Um, I think this was them like uh, Hercules was our last big hit. Let's do one of those. Yeah, that that flat stylized animation style is actually pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed the Emperor's New Groove, and you're right; it is funny. It's a funny one. So number right. two, are we at number two already? Or are we at number three? Thanks, Eric. Did you say your number three? I did. Yeah, we're you at, did. Two. All right, so number two. All right, something. so we're getting. Yeah, we're getting into. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I think my number two is going to be Beauty and the Beast. All right, save it. You got it. I knew this was going to happen. My number. All right. Let's see. This is turning into the top end of our top 10 Nine Chanel songs. Um, my number two is Sleeping Beauty. Anybody pick Sleeping Beauty? Save it. <laughs> wow. My God. That was my honorable mention. It was it, it it was on my number five, but I moved it to honorable mention. Well, we know what the rest of the list is going to be like unless Mark gets us with a curveball. Right. Right? What's your number two, Mark? Num Number two is Aladdin. Now I know I'm dreaming. Master! I don't think you quite realize what you've got here. So why don't you just ruminate whilst I illuminate the possibilities? Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out, he had a thousand tails. But Master, you in luck, cause up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. Some heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch. You and house. All you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Alanza, what will your pleasure be? Let me take your order. Jot it down. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Life is your restaurant and I'm your melody. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir. We pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shah. Say what you wish. It's yours. True dish about a little more baklava. All right. I could have gone with Beauty and the Beast uh, because of its technical achievements, the music. I feel that Beauty and the Beast was 
a better version, um, both musically and animation style of Little Mermaid, which has got amazing music, but so does Beauty and the Beast. There's something about the comedy and a little bit of the the storyline, and it's you know could be conceived as problematic as it being a little too stereotypical for you know uh, the Middle East, but. Robin Williams' performance, man. Uh, if that, to me, when I was a kid, was like, you know, going to a candy store. Um, his manic performance just really lended itself to that animation style. Um, I remember seeing it in a packed theater at the Cynodomes in Citrus Heights. That memory is pretty, pretty, and like the whole theater was into it, like into it. We may. Um, I mean, the chances of the same day, no. But I went and saw the, the Cinderella too. Um, and for all three of us, maybe even, yeah, Eric lived about as close to it as we did. That was the only big theater for a while, like north of Arden in Sacramento uh, yeah. area. Like, if you lived in Northern California, if you lived in Placer County or Northern Sacramento area, the Cinderella was the big multiplex. There was random theaters here and there, but... Before you had those all over the place, the Cynodomes was where it was at. The arcade was awesome. That is where I saw Roger Rabbit. That is where Same. I saw Jurassic Park. That is where I saw. I saw, I saw Roger Rabbit at the drive-in at the drive-ins uh, off uh, Bradshaw. But I did see Aladdin at the Cynodome on like New Year's Eve. That drive is still there, I think. And I think that's the thing. That's the same one I take my kids to. The Westwood. Yes, same like one. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, we like that drive-in. But yeah, Mark, I remember seeing Aladdin in a, a many movies, but Aladdin specifically, it sticks out in my mind as much as seeing Jurassic Park at that theater. Like that day was a great day. Everybody was into it. It seemed larger than life. I couldn't imagine it. Like the, the animation was great. Um, the colors just jumped out. The whole diamond yeah. in the rough thing in the very beginning was just seemed awesome and foreboding. It was, it was a cool theater experience for sure. I mean, the two songs that I just remember the theater going nuts for was Friend Like Me mm-hmm. and the song Prince Ali. And, you know, uh, those two songs, man, like I, I did not see. I did see the live action Guy Ritchie one with Will Smith, and uh, I was not a fan. And oh, shit, uh, Guy but Ritchie did that. He did. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a strange um, Very strange. Um, but I will say, like, when Rob Williams, uh, you know, died and all the genie memes were out there, you know, that hit me. You know, like, because that was, like, one of my, yeah, he was one of my guys, and that was one of my favorite performances of his, even though it was just a voice performance. But it just was, it was great. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Aladdin. I, I have a lot of nostalgia for that one. Um, and I do agree that his performance as the genie is uh, riveting. Um, and you'll just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so rapid fire that you'll get maybe something new, a new reference every time you watch it. Uh, something we said for that. I, and I've heard perspectives from people whose heritage is from the Middle East. They have a very different, that movie makes them feel a very different way. So I've, I could not put that on my list. No, I know. I, I understand that there are bit, some. Yes. Yeah. But, but, you know, I have nostalgia for a reason. There's some really good, good aspects of that film for sure. Yeah, no, it's a great, yeah, it's a great Disney animated movie. And, um, I, 
it holds up to this day now. The animation's great. The voice acting is amazing. Like, Robin Williams, of course, MVP. Um, and that was basically, like, they let him do his, like, Robin Williams, nine times out of ten, if you just let him do his thing, in my opinion, it works. And in that case, they're just like, let him do his thing, and we'll animate around it. Um, I recently watched Mrs. Doubtfire with my kids, which is a great movie. And great. that was around the same time, and it was another one where they just, like, in live action, they were like, hey, Robin, do your thing, and we'll animate around it. Like, when he when he has a party at his house for for his kid... As you know, Sally Field comes home, jump around, happening, and he's and jump around. Yeah, he's uh, all the barnyard animals there, there, and everything. And he, I mean, he's about to get with his wife that ends in his divorce, and he's still doing like the Robin Williams shit. That's uh, it's funny. Um, you can't beat a, dri- a drive-by fruiting. Uh, that's a funny. <laughs> Piers Brosnan in it. Yeah. Uh, you got yeah. Harvey Firestein in it. Yeah, it's just. Uh, oh, brother. So good. I'm so you know what, proud. You know what I like in that is that that was like a early for me. Uh, it's in San Francisco, old early '90s San Francisco is beautiful. Uh, that's back when San Francisco looked like San Francisco still, in my opinion. And um, they don't make a big show of the fact that his brother is gay, but it's one of the first times I remember that just being casually mentioned. And it's like in the movie, there's you know, obviously you know you can tell Harvey Feinstein, but there's just uh, there's this great line about a. Uh, you know, Uncle Bobby and Aunt Jack or something. And it's just uh, casually said. It's very, it's very matter of fact. They don't spotlight it. Um, great movie, that Mrs. Doubtfire. But back to Aladdin, to the voice acting, the other voice actors. I don't remember who plays Jafar, but he does a great job. And obviously Gilbert Gottfried is Iago. Um, I am a Gilbert Gottfried fan. May he rest in peace. And he was such a unique, strange human being. Couldn't help but love him, and he was perfect in that role. Uh, hilarious in that role. Aladdin's a good one. Sand- had two- I think he's, he sandwiched that one in between his two appearances in Problem Child 1 and Problem Child 2. <laughs> All great performances. I still listen to it. He's been dead for a couple of years, and I still his podcast just puts out repeat episodes, and I still listen to them often. Um, two video games. The Sega version and the Super Nintendo version. Uh, Mark, which one's better? Um, the Sega one, I believe. Am Eric, I wrong? Eric, I don't know if you even ever played no. it. Which one's better? I was a Super Nintendo guy, but I also think that the Sega version that my friend had was better. So, I, I, I just at the, the yeah. common the common consensus was the Sega one's better, but the Super Nintendo one's deeper. So the Sega one's got more flash to the animation, but the Super Nintendo one has better gameplay. So there you go. I liked them both. Everyone wins. Everybody wins. Aladdin. Uh, yeah, I think out. Uh, well, obviously, Beauty and the Beast is going to top it out for me. But uh, out of the modern Disney movies, Aladdin's probably my second favorite. So good choice. Where awesome. are we now? Are we number number ones? Number ones. All right. So, Eric, your number one's one of my number twos. Where my number ones are all screwed up. What's your number one? Well, my number one is Sleeping Beauty. Um, uh, for the reasons that Mark said before, the art, every... If you, you could pause in any split second of that film and your your mm-hmm. your eye... You have a feast for the eyes. It's just an artistic achievement. Absolutely incredible. Um, uh, you have... 
characters and voice acting coming together in a, in a pretty unique and progressive way for that era of Disney. Um, you have a princess with a little bit more personality and you have actually a prince that gets to do something. Uh, and you have a villain that's metal as fuck. And uh, you have two drunk kings giggling about babies until they pass out. And uh, just many, many fantastic moments in that film. I, I, I like to see a lot. Um, and like you said before, Mark, in defending Disney, yes, they're a corporation. Uh, but in the end, they will take risks with art and, 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 and pure art. And that is something that we should value in the society. So there you go. I agree with you very, very, very much. Um, Sleeping Beauty is my number two. Could have been my number one. Uh, the art, the colors, the colors are just vibrant. Um, there are scenes. I think there are scenes in it. I know Sleeping Beauty, off the top of my head, Beauty and the Beast has some opening scenes that are stained glass. I think Sleeping Beauty has some stained glass scenes too. And if it doesn't, it's still... It, 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 it has trees. Tapestries. tapestries. There you go. Tapestries is the word I'm looking for. Um, the colors are just amazing. Uh, the animation seems so careful. Um, the There's a sense of depth to it that even though many of the scenes are on a strictly 2D type of plane, but there's still a series of depth to it. Like the world looks like you could jump into it and live inside this tapestry. Um, the 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 battle at the end one of the great movie battles not just disney battles between the prince and uh, maleficent as a dragon the the scene where she pricks her finger and the green haze and the echoing of the uh maleficent's voice is amazing it really makes you feel like you drank absinthe um the the cozy cabin and that one's one of the ultimate cozy cabins. That's the cozy cabin that the three are the three good, good witches that raise her yeah. live in. Yeah. The scene Laura where Fauna they, and Merryweather. Yeah. The the scene where they're using magic to clean the uh, the cabin is wonderful. Um, and one of my favorite Disney songs is the "I Know You." I met you once upon a dream song. Uh, my little sister. You guys, I have a half sister who's 14 years my younger. And I remember when she was first born, I used to watch that movie in my dad's house a lot. And uh, like that song would play and I'd sit with her and I was a teenager with a little half sister. I don't know what to do. And I just enjoyed watching that movie with her. Um, yeah, Sleeping Beauty is a really, really, really good one. And Mark mentioned it bombed. But I think historically, on many lists, it's the number one Disney movie in many people's opinions. Am I wrong, Mark? Or is that? I guess put up there a lot, right? Like Sleeping Beauty's. Not no, it's a, definitely up there. I mean, it's they went. They made me in the damn castle at Disneyland's like a Sleeping Beauty castle. No, I'm really not supposed to speak to strangers, but we've met before. I know you. I walked with you once upon a dream. Seldom all they see. 
They did, and that was in order to try to goose people to go and watch the movie. Um, that was when they built it, because this movie came out in 1959, um, and the park opened up, I want to say, in 55. Um, and so they certainly were working on Sleeping Beauty, and that's why it wasn't a Cinderella castle. Um, uh, but Cinderella was a huge hit, but for it just didn't work for whatever reason. I don't know why, um, but it's it's amazing. I mean, uh, Mary Blair, she was a color artist, art designer. She did the uh, costume design for It's a Small World. Uh, not going to get into the streaker nonsense because that uh, definitely pissed me off. Uh, I don't... Uh, just look on TikTok if you don't know it's, what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's a mental health crisis, it looks like, but yes. Can't really say if it was induced by drugs, but uh, anyhow, time and place, man. Um, if you're going to be with somebody, make sure like you're with somebody. But yeah, Mary Blair was great. I mean, um, she definitely brought her coloring style to this. Uh, they wanted to make it look like a, you know, cathedral. Um you know, the uh, stained glass window kind of look. Mm-hmm. And um, which I feel like Beauty and the Beast, the introduction to Beauty and the Beast, which I'm sure you guys will talk about, the whole introduction of how, like, the Beast became, uh, that definitely feels like a nod to this movie. Yeah. And um, Voice of Maleficent was also the voice of Lady Tremaine, the, the villain from Cinderella. Um, but it's a good one. I mean, the whole look and the whole dragon uh, transformation sequence is great. And um, I want to say even like the Black Cauldron was influenced by the look of this one. It's a classic. It's a classic Disney movie and it's wild to me that just didn't work at the time, but uh, it certainly had its day. It's good. I, uh, You're right about the Black Cauldron thing. The Black Cauldron's use of the color green is very much like that scene in Sleeping Beauty. And like the henchman. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Costa, the voice of Sleeping Beauty, was a professional opera singer, and she sang at the memorial surface for John F. Kennedy. All right. So that's uh, what number was that? (laughs) That was a number. We're on our we're on a number one. So Steve, if it's your if you're up, it's we're Beauty and the Beast now. Okay, so now we're back to Beauty and the Beast, which I had to move because it was. Was it somebody else's number my one? My number two. It was my number, that's two. number two. Yeah. Got it. Beauty and the Beast. That's my favorite modern Disney movie. Um, it's been my favorite modern my, Disney movie. I'm sorry, Steve. If any listeners out there can write their own list of our choices as we've moved them through the conversation, we'll get a little bonus prize for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're going to try to route. We'll try to summarize this. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast, though. I mean, it, it, that's another one that I saw as a child at the theater. And I instantly was surprised by how much I liked it. I didn't expect to not like it, but it just really resonated with me. One, I had no problem watching over and over again as a kid, um, as a teenager, as an adult. There has never been a time where I didn't think this was probably my favorite Disney movie. I've always loved Beauty and the Beast. 
Never had a problem with it. At my most aggro teenage years, uh, at my most jaded uh, 20s, I still loved Beauty and the Beast. The music is great. Uh, you know, uh, Be Our Guest is a great song. And it gave us Mr. Burns' See My Vest uh, version from The Simpsons. <laughs> See My Loafers Made of Gophers. Um, Gaston's a great villain. Gaston's also funny. His sidekick, Lemire, or not Lemire. Um, LeFou. No, his sidekick is funny. Gaston's song is amazing. Um, Gaston, you've got to pull yourself together. Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Gaston, looking so down in the dumps. Every guy here'd love to be you, Gaston, even when taking your lumps. There's no man in town as admired as you. You're everyone's favorite guy. Everyone's awed and inspired by you. And it's not very hard to see why. No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston. For there's no man in town half as many. Perfect up your paragon. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley, and they'll tell you whose team they prefer yeah. to be on. Oh. No one's big like Gaston. Big like Gaston. No one's got us well cleft in his chin like Gaston. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I wanna call good Gaston. Gaston is the best, and the rest is all to rip. No one like Gaston knows his life is Gaston. The, the snowy atmosphere appeals to me. I love the winter. That's half the reason why we always have these holiday specials. I like this time of year. Um, I like my cozy cabins. It's got a cabin that the, uh, the dad lives in, but the... Uh, in addition to the cozy cabin, the setting of the movie, the castle is an awesome setting. That castle is amazing. You've got half of it, which is lived in and vibrant with the creatures. And then you've got the, the West Wing or whatever it is where it's all hidden by the beast who doesn't want you to go back there. Castle is a great castle. Um, the uh, Belle's a good heroine, good princess. I, mean, I guess she's not really a princess. The Belle's great. Uh, Bell is a, you know, kind of probably one of the first, oh, bookwormish, uh, cute librarian girls, which is now a, a craze, if you will. Um, her song in, in the beginning, um, you know, there, 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 there must be more than this, uh, what is it, sequential life? What is it, Mark? It's a, a conventional life? Whatever. There must be more than this song. The Bell's song. In the oh, yeah. Um, provincial life. Yeah. It's a, it, was, it, it probably opened up some kids' vocabularies. Um, the, the relationship between the clock and the candle. Uh, it's one of the Clogsworth and uh, Lumiere. They're, they're great. And uh, and then also just the, the line, the line that always, hey, Marie, Marie the baguettes, hurry up. I, I don't know why that's, that's something that is always just stuck, just stuck out to me. Like, Marie the baguettes, hurry up. 
and it's part of the song in the opening. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. I was pissed. I saw that that remake. Um, it was not directed by Guy Ritchie. The live action Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't a war crime or anything, but I'll never watch it again. Uh, but they took out the line, Marie, the baguettes, hurry up. They stuck in these movies. They stick to them so close, line by line. But they took out Marie, the baguettes, hurry up from the live action movie. Pissed me off. Anyhow, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it didn't have any good video games, but it was a damn good movie. My favorite 90s Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast. Well, I quite like it for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, the, uh, of course, you know, your, your misunderstood romantic interest in the beast, um, you know, based on his life and what he's gone through and, you know, he's rough around the edges, but he warms over. It's a great love story, but you know, Belle's she's Belle's great. Uh, you're right. She's not a princess. I mean, maybe she is cause she marries a prince, but you know, it, really in her, you know, character, she's, uh, she's an outcast because she's smart and, and her town does not value that. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. And uh, I, I truly rank this one high. And I, I would say I, it's weighted very high because of Gaston. Uh, probably one of the funniest Disney villains of all time. And he's funny until he's not, right? He's so fucking stupid and self-centered and misogynistic in a funny way until he literally manipulates the situation to throw Belle's dad in a mental hospital because she won't marry him. And then yeah. gets a whole town to go kill her new love interest. Uh, it's it's uh, then it gets scary. And, and, and honestly, in that way, he's the most human Disney villain. Like it's the most believable uh, villain, I think in the Disney in Disney catalog, as far as uh, you know, uh, angry privileged uh misogynistic males go um so i think it's a genius genius stroke a lot to be yeah. said there so no you're that. right the uh the as far as bad guys go in this day and age with radicalized internet uh, toxic masculinity he very much is very believable um yeah. Yeah. although his chest hair rivals bob hoskins back hair um <laughs> Yeah, and also the music, the music, not just the songs, but the music, the reoccurring, uh, da, 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 that, that theme is great. Um, I love that Beauty and the Beast. I will say it's funny. I don't think about the songs often when I think about the movie, but, um, just a couple weeks ago, my niece was in the Rockland Community Theater's performance of Beauty and the Beast, and it's basically Disney's Beauty and the Beast because... Whether they got the licensing or not, they used all the songs throughout it. And it's like a very truncated version of the movie. Like they told the whole movie in an hour. Um, but every time a song came on, like I got a little misty. I was like, it's just it just triggers that little nostalgia thing where you don't think about it until it hits you. But like, oh yeah, these 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 are all songs of my childhood. And anyways, and then hearing a bunch of kids sing them, it was, it was cool. You didn't invite me. That's too bad. <laughs> All right, Mark, number one, uh, Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio. Lay it on us. <laughs> Roberto oh, Benini. Roberto Benini's Pinocchio. <laughs> so uh, Pinocchio is my number one. Um, I think it's one of Disney's darkest movies. 
Um, I think it's darker than Black Cauldron, which is intentionally trying to be a uh, black metal album cover. Um, but I do think the Pinocchio um, of having to navigate uh, and keep your innocence in a world that is uh, designed to uh, take it away from you. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an achievement for its time. Uh, the Monstro sequence is beautiful. I mean, for this being Disney's only second animated feature um, is is quite something. I mean, when you look at Snow White, you can definitely see the cracks in the seams. Uh, but for its time, it, it still holds up. Then Pinocchio comes along and brings out this pretty complex story uh, based off an Italian you know, book that the Pinocchio and that character was, you know, a real son of a bitch um and you know i think he actually steps on and kills jiminy cricket in the book but uh they went ahead and didn't do that uh jiminy oh, no, cricket no. <laughs> <laughs> uh his breaking the fourth wall like there's a lot of that old manism stuff that jiminy cricket does it just makes mm-hmm. me laugh and yeah. smile um and like the movie doesn't have a central villain. Uh, you know, you got Honest John and uh, that weird cat thing. I can't remember the cat's name. Um, but uh, and then you've got uh, the the gypsy fella Stromboli. Um, Is it Stromboli? Stromboli. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then that uh, really like devilish like uh, uh, you know carriage driver. Um. Yeah, Pleasure Island, that whole th- sequence, I think when I was a kid, you know, definitely hung with me. Um, but yeah, everything about this movie, Pinocchio, uh, you know, Geppetto's just sadness of uh, the Robert Zemeckis version. While the whole thing seemed really phoned in from Tom Hanks, um, I was not a fan. I mean, I, I, I watched it with high expectations and... I, all of these Disney live-action remakes have been just unsettling. Absolutely um, unnecessary and unsettling, yes. Yeah, I can't pinpoint one that I've been like, oh, that wasn't bad. But all of them have just been kind of like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I don't yeah, know. No, but yeah, Pinocchio is one of my favorites. I'm not going to look it up now, but I don't think any of them have been good. Um I think Pinocchio's the, great. The Cinderella one is okay. It's it's uh, Kenneth Branagh, so he like leans into his like artfulness. It's Dutch pretty. Angles. It's a pretty one, but it's not gonna knock your socks off. I uh, yeah, Pinocchio is my number two um, for many of the reasons Mark mentioned. Um, this is one that I remember seeing in the theater as a little kid, and we didn't talk about this yet. But back in our day. Disney movies coming out and re-coming out was an event because a lot of these weren't released on VHS yet. Every few years, they'd put Sleeping Beauty out again. Every few years, they'd put Cinderella out again. Every few years, they would put Pinocchio out again. And they got a chance to make money off of them. And the hype machines would kick up and McDonald's got to make toys out of them. And I saw Pinocchio in one of those... Uh, in the early 80s, it came out again. And I went got taken to the theater to see it. See it. And the uh, monster of the whale scared the hell out of me in a, in a theater. I was like four. And it's one of my earliest memories is monster of the whale. Um, so that explains a lot about why I'm the way I am. Um, 
The animation, uh, yeah, level up, like Mark said, from Sleeping Beauty, which looked good, to this. I can't believe this is only their second movie. Um, they had hundreds of artists, apparently. The, and the, like, the monstro scene alone, like, to get the water done, it, like, you know, 800 people or something worked on that. It was uh, bonkers how many people they employed to make this movie. Uh, there was this, um... Uh, this multi-plane camera like effect they use in some scenes of the of the town where it gives the town like a level of depth that you you don't even see sometimes in like CGI, which was really cool. Um, looks tangible, looks physical. Uh, Geppetto's workshop is another cozy cabin, even though it's in the middle of a little town. It's another little little wonderful cozy place. That little kitten that lives in there is a cozy little kitten. Um Jiminy Cricket, great character. I love When You Wish Upon a Star. I love that song. I like I like that that kind of became Disney's thing. They took that and uh, you know, Jiminy became one of their little mascots. Him and Tinkerbell, it seems. Um, I like that it takes place by the ocean. I like the ocean. I like the story of Pinocchio. I like many versions of it. Um... Did you guys watch the Guillermo del Toro one that came out like a year ago? Yeah, I love that. I love that one. I thought it was awesome. I didn't finish it, but what I watched, it was really good. It was uh, intense. <laughs> it was it was good, though. Um, uh, Leisure Island was originally going to be called Bogeyland. <laughs> I don't know what Bogeyland and that whole sequence. Leisure, I Leisure Leisure Island sounds like a good location for our uh, our, our podcast retreat uh, <laughs> whenever we wrap this up. And the boys. the uh, speaking of horrifying things, the donkey transformation scene. My God, that was frightening. Um, yeah, Pinocchio was great though. Uh, a well well deserved number one. I never and... smoked in high school because I was pretty <laughs> sure it would turn me into a donkey. So, not touch the stuff. Uh, Honest John and Gideon. Gideon was the name of the uh, sidekick. So that's your number one. And um, I couldn't even <laughs> list these. We, we went all over the place. But good choices all. A lot of overlap as expected. Uh, my, my runner's up honorable mentions we talked about some of them aladdin we said enough about that princess in the fog we said enough about that a black cauldron i'm a black cauldron fan not to be contrarian i know it was a huge bomb but a lot of the themes in black cauldron i do like it's kind of you know like lord of the rings light um and also i had the sierra adventure game as a kid and it was simplified enough to where i was actually it was one of the first computer games slash video games I completed on my own. Um, so that was fun. I've always liked the Black Cauldron. Um, and uh, I kept them in honorable mentions because I said no CGI, no Pixar. Uh, Disney proper, but they are CGI. Wreck-It Ralph and Moana. I've mentioned Moana on the podcast many times because my three-year-old loves it. Um, and Wreck-It Ralph, both my kids like that movie. I saw that one in the theater. Um, I actually know one of the animators through a friend of a friend of a friend. 
And um, I just think Wreck-It Ralph is great. I think the music's great. I think the voice acting on that one's great. John C. Riley, friend of the show. And uh, it's hard It's hard to beat a bunch of video game references that seem earned. I love that Wreck-It Ralph. Those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good list. I mean, I would only really add, like... Um I like the adventures of Ichabod, Mr. Toad, but more so just on the Mr. Toad side. Oh, hell um, yeah. That, that's a great one. Yeah, Ichabod has a pretty cool scene with the Headless Horseman, uh, but that's about it from that short. But Mr. Toad, man, hello, you fellows. Just great <laughs> shit. <laughs> the Cockney horse in there. His horse always uh, getting him out, get him out of trouble. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Oh yeah, good stuff. That that one's great. Uh, if you're smart, uh, you always say your favorite movie is Fantasia, but no one actually believes it. Um, Fantasia is fine, but it is too long, and you can't sit through it in one sitting unless you're high. Um, Peter Pan, Captain Hook, one of the best villains out there. Uh, and but uh, yeah, I, I would say you know for the modern stuff, I tend. Um, I am not keeping up with it as much as I used to. Um, but the wreck Ralph movies are fun. Um, even Ralph breaks the internet um, mm-hmm. is not bad. Uh, Frozen. I know that it's overplayed, um, but when it first came out, I did appreciate kind of the twist at the end. Um, yeah, that's and Zootopia. That's a fun one as well. Yeah. If for the yeah. modern ones, that's a good if one. I were, if I were to jump, if I were to, Cross over into Pixar, which we're not going to do tonight. As far as modern ones go, I actually, the kids and I watch Elemental often. I was impressed with Elemental. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, honestly, I took the kids to that one and it seems to have some good stuff around uh, dealing with emotions. It's just pleasant. It's just a pleasant movie. Uh, honorable mentions, Eric, on this. Uh, oh, this won't be more than a half hour edition of Pod Like a Whole. You guys covered all, all mine for the animated uh, animated ones. Um, uh, you know, there are some live action goodies out there. Uh, there's some uh, your uh, Escape to Witch Mountain, the old, the original. Great. Great. Donald Pleasance is the bad guy. Great. Great. I think he's the bad guy in that. Anyways, ridiculous. Great movie. Uh, parent Bed knobs and broomsticks. Is that what you're going to say next? What kind of psycho parents get a divorce, but then refute like their, our children can never meet and uh, (laughs) split up the twins, the twins. Crazy. Parent traps. Fine though. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, watcher in the woods. (laughs) Narek is Karen spelled backwards. Anyways, these are these are all great live action live action Disney's, but uh, you just you can't forget about those. Can't forget about those. Don Knotts, Don Knotts. I uh, got a second wind with those movies. That's right, absolutely. The, the, the incredible Mr. Limpet, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Apple. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go tell that time traveler over there to jump back in his time machine and go back to the past. And tell those guys to finish their podcast already. They're not getting any younger. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, All right. Ha- happy, happy, happy holidays. Another pod like a whole Christmas special, holiday special. And uh, Mark, thanks for humoring humoring me. On the, I, I always want to do these these uh, holiday specials, and I was like, ah, oh, this is one that I could sucker Mark into. So it worked like a charm. 
worked like a charm. It fell right into that honeypot. All right, gentlemen, happy holidays. I love you all. Stay safe out there. Happy New Year. And we'll see you next year. All right, see you next year. And some of them I took shelter from a shower And I stepped into your arms It sounds a lot like Christmas. <laughs> That's right. The baggy clothes are like your pajamas. The, uh, the glow sticks and pacifiers are... Uh, like how excited you get from the Christmas gifts and the music that makes you go uh, your heart go fast is uh, those wonderful Christmas songs that's right so Towns we're going to have to record our podcast in a second this is a special bonus thing that's going to be part of our episode Um, what do you want for Christmas the most get up up here the hot wheels I got that Hot Wheels that got discontinued from like. Oh, a special, a special Hot Wheel that got discontinued. Ah, uh, you want that bootleg Hot Wheels? All right. The yeah, boot- I want, the one. It's. I think it got dis- discontinued in like 1985. So the bootleg Hot Wheels. Where is a good place to find bootleg Hot Wheels? <laughs> black market. That's right, the black market. Denios. Known as Denios. <laughs> <laughs> where we uh, had a father-son expedition. is over We'll never find out what it means Still there's a light I hold before me And you're the measure of my dreams The measure of Rest in peace, Shane McGowan. Thanks for everything.